Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Today, a cracker of a show. This is going to be awesome. This is where we start introducing the people of Ergio. Kevin, thank you very much for being on the show. You are so welcome, Martin. Looking forward to it. So, Kevin, can you give your full name and tell us what you do? Kevin Michael Lang. I wasn't going to say my middle name, but there we go. What do I do <laughs> currently? I am the director of operations at Ergio uh, and a partner as well. I am a father, a husband, and a lifelong entrepreneur. And my passion is family and leadership. I love all those things. Anything to do with that gets me going. What is the title of the show, Kevin, today? The title of the show is Working Through People Because I Am Lazy. <laughs> We're going to unpack that. That is so fun. At first, for all the listeners, Kevin's like, I'm not saying I'm not saying on the podcast that I'm lazy. I said, damn right you are. There are so many things that Kevin does well on all. I learned how to take time off from the professional here, Kevin. He is amazing at balancing life and leadership. So, Kevin, can you please tell, for the benefit of the audience and the people who are listening, can you please tell us your journey? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? How did you grow up? And then your journey till today as the integrator and CEO of Urgio. So I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, and I moved to Vancouver in 2010. Uh, I spent most of my adult life up to 37 in uh, Edmonton. Went to high school, University of Alberta, uh, opened my first business. Well, not really opened. I ran my parents' business, which is, was in manufacturing, and I bought them out. I did that for 20 years, uh, part of it in Edmonton, and then part of it was when I moved to Vancouver. When I was in Vancouver, I had to dramatically change my leadership and management style because now I was going from a day-to-day -day operational type play to being remote took about a couple of years, two, three years. But what I found after I did it is that not only did my top line revenue grow, but my profits grew as well. And the side benefit of that is I actually developed a really powerful, strong leadership team that I could work through. And what I found is that they did things better than I could. They saw things in a different light. They made better decisions. They were just the better people on the ground. When I was actually present within the factory on a day-to-day -day basis, I had, to ten I had a tendency to manage them a little bit tightly, uh, micromanage, I guess. And when I was remote, I just couldn't do that anymore. So I had to let go. Thank you. And how did you get from where that manufacturing business to where you are today? Oh, long journey. So... I ran that for 20 years and family business ran it with my sister as my partner and my father and mother bought them out. One day I was sitting on my computer and I got a LinkedIn message 
And it said, congratulations, Kevin, 20 years at Machinomatic. You know, some people would celebrate. And I sort of looked at it. I felt like I got punched in the gut. I was like, oh, this cannot be it. This cannot be my legacy, what I'm doing. About a year after I exited the business and I retired for my first time. So I was on the sidelines. I was doing consulting gigs and just looking for any opportunities, taking any meetings uh, that I could and trying to find my next path. Ran across a business I wanted to buy, and uh, that was called Eco Marine Paddle Sports. Uh, I have quite a lot of energy, and sometimes I believe I can tackle the world. So this was a business that I had no experience in. It was a retail play, and it was a school as well. It was also seasonal, so totally different than any of the experience I'd ever done. But I like the water. I love to paddle, and I thought, okay, this is passion. I'm just going to do it, and I bought it. And I ran it for about three years. And the first year was great, made some good money. Second year was horrible. And the third year I said no more and I, and I closed the business down. So then I retired sort of for my second time. I traveled the world with my family. I, I became a full-time dad with my wife, and three kids. And we traveled Southeast Asia for three and a half months. And we landed March 20th, 2019, just at the height or the start of the pandemic and then hunkered down. The next step, after about six months of hiatus, I met this great man named Martin Hunter, who we're talking to today, <laughs> through a mutual business friend. And we did this sort of weird online business dating. I always call it dating. People raise their eyebrows, but it was. We'd never met in yeah, person. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, you just sort of interviewed me and he gave me the what for. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? But we soon uh, soon became good and we decided we should we should go into business together. And that's where the Urgeo play came in. And we've been doing that about a year now and great success, great learning. And I'm loving every day. I'm getting to utilize all the skills that I've built up over my 20 plus years in business. And here we go. Thank you. Thank you for that. What is the title of the show today, Kevin? The title of the show is Working Through People Because I Am Lazy. So let, let's unpack that because there, there is working through people because I'm lazy. There's so much stuff to unpack. Why did we pick this title? I think we picked the title for a couple of, a couple of reasons. I mean, my role at Urgeo is the operational side. Um, a lot of doing in there. And then typically my client engagements are focused on accountability and leadership. So I'm the person that comes in and I teach leaders how to lead. The one trick that I've really found, and it feels sort of funny at first, because in business, the way that I was raised is you should be the first one in the doors in the morning and the last one to leave. And you just work, work, work. You put your head down and your ass up. And even though if you can say ass on it, it's going to get. Yes, you can. You can say what you want. (laughs) I said it. And that's the way it works. And what I realized quite early in my career is that I'm not so much of a doer, but I'm a more of working through people. And the more that I got involved, the longer things took and the longer projects took. Although I like the control aspect of stuff. So I was in there doing stuff, but it wasn't great. People could do it better. And the one thing in my manufacturing play is I had a whole bunch of technical people working with me who could run multi 
you know, $100,000 machines, which I had no idea or business running. So I had to trust on them. So part of my skill set was already in there because I couldn't step step in. I could visualize what they needed to do and how they needed to do it. But the actual technical aspect of it, I had I had no idea. And so very early on in my career, I knew that I needed to work through people to hit my results. Um, and the lazy piece, I guess, is funny because sometimes when people ask me what I do or my kids ask me, I'm like, I do a lot of talking. I talk a lot, kids. I'm on Zoom calls and I'm talking to people and I'm doing this. Well, people pay you for that, Dad? I'm like, yeah, sometimes sometimes they do. Sometimes they do that. And it's really, it's really sort of an interesting skill set. And then that lazy piece sort of comes. That's my own internal sort of thing saying, you need to work to do. You can't just talk. You know, are you being lazy? I sometimes feel like I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes feel like I'm not doing anything. But the stuff that I am doing with my talking and my knowledge of leadership actually makes people move forward faster and get their results faster. So I sometimes have to settle that in. But that's still definitely an internal battle for me. When I see people that are just digging down and doing stuff, I'm like, oh, that's not me. But I'm getting older now. You know, I'm 48, more settled in my skin and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I've done a lot of learning, a lot of coaching, a lot of reading. A lot of failure, some success, you know, and through those times, you just learn what you're good at. And I'm a true believer in if you're really good at something, do it more. Forget about improving all the stuff that you could be good at or, you know, that you need improvement. I just drop those things. So there's a lot of stuff in my skill set that, no, not so good, but I'm okay with it. I, I focus on the things that I am really, really good at. There is so much to unpack in what Kevin said. So in our relationship, the one thing that Kevin and I, when we first met, we were both operators, right? So I've operated businesses. Kevin has operated businesses. What I think, not I think, not but, I know what we have found is that for those who understand EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System, is that there is a position of visionary and the position of integrator. And the one thing that Kevin does extremely well is keeping the train on time. And the only way to be able to scale that keeping the train on time is keeping one train on time and two and then four and then eight is to work through people. And I think that what Kevin has educated himself. So we use this thing called Colby assessment. And when we hire people, you know, we hire people for attitude, skill, knowledge, experience, energy and time. The one thing that Kevin always says before we hire anybody else, let's do a profile. Does that person fit? And I think that Kevin has not, I think, I know what Kevin has done for Urgio and all of our clients is really provide them with an insight of what are you? Are you a mule? Uh, and I don't get me wrong, mules are great. The, the, uh, the railroad was built on mules, on the back of mules. They're hardworking. Are you a gorilla where you bring everybody together where the tribe, I don't know if it's a tribe. What do you call a group of gorillas? A pride? No, that's lying. I think they they might be a pack. I think they might be a pack. I'm not 100% sure though. Yeah. Or are you a tiger? Are you that, are you that, and I'll say that in the nicest way, sales-centered, you know, forget everybody else, tiger who just, you know, hunts and lives by itself. And what the... Sorry, what Kevin has done really well is not just identify our strengths, but create an environment where our strengths are leveraged continuously. 
He did it with me. He released me from the operations by his hard work and dedication to be able to be the visionary and make the time and space. And that's where, you know, we're making fun about this title called lazy, but it's really about being effective with your time and efficient. Um, there's nobody else that I know better to bring us back on task than Kevin. Why do you think, Kevin, why does it matter so much to you now compared to where it was before? What was like kind of like the the biggest aha moment that you had, you know, when you were still at Machinomatic that you went, shit, man, I, I can't keep doing this. Is there like a one event that kind of pushed you over the edge to say, I have to start working through people? Now, you probably didn't know what the title was of that, but was there an event yeah, I mean, the biggest event that pushed me is when we facilitated the move from Edmonton to Vancouver. Um, I was married, and my beautiful wife, Allie, uh, happens to be my second wife, although the first one I consider a starter marriage, but she was not happy in Edmonton. <laughs> huh. She said, you know what? I can't be here anymore. She had an event go on. Her father passed away, and she sort of woke up one day said, I can't be here anymore. She's from Manhattan. And through us being madly in love, I moved her to Edmonton, which if anyone listening knows, it's a very small, cold city, lovely to grow up in and stuff, but not Manhattan. And she just couldn't be there anymore. And if I wanted to stay married, I needed to find a way to move to a different city. So a few things I was not willing to give up. I had just signed the deal to buy my parents out with my sister. So that was, mm -hmm. you know, set in stone. And I was also part of this group called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. And so all these amazing entrepreneurs running companies, multiple companies from remote, um, big companies doing all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm as good and as smart as these people. Why can't I do that? I just need to grow my skill set and figure it out. And so I got a lot of hardship, a lot of hardship for my family. They, act, in fact, actually didn't talk to me for about a year. They shunned me for a year when we moved to Vancouver. Because, of course, their perception was first one in, turning the lights off, locking the doors at the end of the night. That's how you run mm. a business. That's how you grow. I was not going to do that. It was my ship to run. I owned it, and I was going to run it my way. Um, I like to work through people, but I'm also very stubborn. And when I have something set, I grab onto it, and I'll figure it out. And I figured it out. What they found after a couple of years, we grew in revenue. We had way more revenue. We had way more profit. And our leadership team was excellent before it was good now it was excellent because i stepped back and they filled that space so that was sort of the pivotal moment i i want to stay married <laughs> i didn't want to get I, divorced i'm gonna again. change i'm gonna change your language i don't think you're stubborn people are stubborn don't give don't give in you're you're resilient which is different resilience for me is in my opinion is that you don't shy away from a challenge you're not afraid of tackling the hard work and that, I don't think you're stubborn. My dad is stubborn. My dad doesn't, mm. anyways, I'm not going to go down that path, but you are not stubborn. <laughs> you are resilient. You, you set, because when you set a target, so I want to put some context around what Kevin does. He doesn't bluntly say, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. He's like, Hey, I've got an idea. How about this? And he's very collaborative in his planning, very collaborative as an approach. But when, when we build rocks, and I'll give you guys some, when we build rocks, don't, don't fuck with the rocks. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't fuck, do it. Don't fuck with the rocks. Don't fuck <laughs> with the quarterly goals. 
And we we lived that uh, last week at our leadership meeting. Is like, hey, 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 you guys promised this, so that it. And again, Kevin did not did not say no. This is what he said was very resilient. Hey, if you guys want to do this, what are you gonna give away? So I think that there was a lot of stuff that's taken out of this. Um, so Kevin, what are when you think about working through people? What mm-hmm. are some assumptions? that are not valid what are big not to do's if you pick one or two of working through people what's uh, you know what's the lessons learned from you i mean the biggest thing is people's relationship with perfection if you have an intimate relationship with perfection this is not a skill set you're going to find easy oh yeah the the rule of thumb is 80 percent. so when i mean that if you're going to do something in your standard is 100, you need to be satisfied that people will deliver at 80%. That's how you scale things. That's how you grow. That's how you do it. If you want to always be the perfectionist and nail it to your standard, only your standard all the time, it's really hard to work through people. That being said, though, once you let that go and let people learn and grow, I find usually because their skill sets are better, they're actually more doers than I am in that space, the standard actually gets raised. So at first you're like, oh, no, no, no. But then if you're open and you're listening to it and you're watching, you're monitoring their work, their work actually becomes better. And so your role then working through people is supporting them on their journey and Mm -hmm. removing the barriers and removing the obstacles. So if they have a problem that's going to come in, that's the time you dig in. That's not the time you're like, okay, not so much. That's the time you dig in and you're there. You become available and you have the conversation. The other thing to know too is you have to give them enough space to fail failure is not an issue failure is fundamental to success you have to have it there's a there's an inherent relationship between the two now of course big failure not so good if we're talking like major project if we're talking major money all Mm. that okay you have to mitigate you have to mitigate your risk so you're not going to put a junior in there and say i just go oh he failed okay good that's not what i'm talking about (laughs) what i'm talking about right small pieces small tests small tests then you give them more space because as soon as you're in that space and you're leaning in towards them, you know, and taking it up, they won't move into it. So you have to relax, stay back and let them own their own space and then help them throughout it. So those two things, your relationship with perfection and you need to give your, you need to get your team members space. If you don't give them space and you crowd them all the time, they will not grow. And, and then you'll be holding the bag and doing all the work, which is what we're trying to get away from. There's um. One thing that uh, another thing that Kevin does well is that he keeps track of it. So when you think of continuous improvement, you look plan, do, track, adjust. The uh, P and the T of continuous improvement are very strategic. So Kevin loves to be able to plan the work with the team and then track the work. And that's where he brings in that top line approach. Then on the doing and adjusting, you know, plan, do, track, adjust, the doing and adjusting that's where he offers a lot of coaching and mentorship. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? I've listened to Kevin in numerous interaction with our team and he's never, ever giving them the answer. I've only heard you give the answer like once or twice when somebody was really at the end of the rope and just about to fall off the precipice. And you're like, okay, (laughs) let me pull you back a little bit here. You're going to fall off the cliff. You moron. Uh, (laughs) Right. And that was me. Um, so there's that. So to <laughs> a, a great tool 
to work through people that I've learned is uh, as Kevin knows, I love acronyms just in love with them. My military career mm-hmm. time in the mil- in, in the minds as well. It is important to give the four cardinal rules of leadership. You know, we provide good direction. We facilitate the work. We elevate the individual and then we celebrate. And I think that Kevin runs with that so well. That's important. Um, Another thing on failure, if you go on my LinkedIn account, have a look in what I just posted about my boy playing chess. We played chess last night and I never let him win. I never let my kids win at nothing. Do I coach them? Do I mentor them? But Ariel, my 14-year-old, I have to work my ass off to win at Connect Four. She's so competitive. And I do the same thing with Gavin because Gavin almost won at chess yesterday. Almost. And both of us were so ecstatic. Now, he lost. But he was so happy that he realized what he did that kind of turned the table on, on the game. So, you know, Kevin's point of... Within, within a circle of safety for the organization, within mitigated, let them fail. Let them learn because there's no way that you can elevate them if they're not learning from their mistakes. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. I think the biggest uh, mistake, and this vibrates a lot in the way that we were raised to in our school system, it's about memorization. It's about perfection on exams, mm. which teaches the total wrong skill set that you need to run business. Because if you're scared to fail, you're paralyzed. You can't do anything. You're never going to be an entrepreneur and get everything right. It just doesn't work that way. You know, you have to figure things out. Yes, you can have a great plan, but all plans can go sideways. And you have to be able to adjust there. And sometimes you have egg on your face. You make really bad decisions and you just wear it. But that's all part of it. Don't make the mistake again. Improve. But it's part of it. And if you're paralyzed by the fear, there's no way you can move into it. That, the word paralyze inaction right to not do anything mm-hmm. is as worse as doing something that is not worth doing there's so much in there so what's your uh when you're working through people what's uh what's a couple of lessons learned in regards to the top things that bring you the most value for you and your team the top to do's I mean, the top to do's. I mean, with my skill set, it's a little bit different too, because I have quite a, I have quite a high EQ, emotional intelligence, and I'm really, really good at wording, uh, at reading people. So body language for me is essential. I can read a lot of things. So a lot of times when I want to be successful for something, I'm really listening to what they need in that moment. Often, and I'm glad that you said before that you haven't heard me say this solution, because the solution is always in my mind. And I'm just more disciplined not to say it anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess I just hang on to it. But just because you have the solution, that's not the trick. I, I'm trying to get the people to where they need to be su- for supporting them for what they need in that time frame. And that's the whole thing with these big objectives and goals that we have, Martin. They're 90 days. Mm-hmm. So if you're in turmoil right now and you're stuck on one piece, I have the whole quarter to support you. You do not need to solve it right now. That's why I always say, let's go slower to go faster. Let's mm-hmm. figure this piece out. Let's get some foundational things going. Build your skill set so that we can take the project to the end, right? Where if you work on short time frames, you're always pushing, 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 and then they can't learn. So I, I slow things down. So at the start of any big goals and projects, I really slow things down. Then at the end, I'm always, I'm always goal 
focused and task completion and results based. Always, I can't turn it off. Like the time is running in my head 24 seven. I know what time it is. So when we're getting close to the end and I'm feeling it, that's when I start speeding things up. But hopefully I've put enough into the person and into the relationship that they can match the speed now. So now we're going quicker, right? I always start slow and then you move quick. It's like anything with, with training. I'm also very realistic. If I'm looking at people's objectives and their goals, and I don't think they're plausible, I'll have them run exercises on time prediction. And not only time prediction, time is one, just total hours it would take to do that, but the interconnectedness of the other people within your organization, outside your organization, timeframes. They need to know what's going on. What, what happens if that person doesn't perform? Well, that doesn't get done then. Okay, so how do we control that? We have to do this. Okay, what happens if that outside marketing company is too busy to do that? Okay, well, that's a that's the thing. They have to plan that all out. And if it's so big, I'm like, it's not going to work. Break it down. Let's look at it again. So starting slow, giving the people what they need at the time, increasing in speed, really, really important. And then realistic, realistic goals and expectation. I'm not saying that I'm sandbagging. I'm not a sandbagger. Mm. Like I do not set a goal that's so low. Oh yeah, you're going to knock it out of the park anytime. We're not in business to do that. We are not. We still want to achieve great things. Um, I don't want to conquer the world. I just want to get our organization forward, right? And a lot of people are like, mm. oh, the biggest vision. We're going to do the biggest thing. I'm like, okay, let's start a little halfway there and let's do that first right? It's still a super stretch. It's still super hard. Just not conquering the world. You know, I think people with all the stuff that's in, in the media right now and books you can read and all that, it's always about like the biggest, biggest thing. But for most people, that's not a reality. And I'm fine with that. I don't need to have like the top organization in the, in the world, but I want to have a really, really good organization. Just managing it. Absolutely. How do you, how do you, so a- Andrea, for those uh, people listening, we're going to have an episode with Andrea. So how are you grooming Andrea to take your place ultimately? What are you doing with new leaders to get them to where you are of working through people? Because Andrea's a doer, all right? Andrea's a doer. She yeah. does amazing work. How do you, what do you look for? What are you working on to transition your skills onto her? I can't believe you're firing me on the air. She's, she's taking my job. Ah, <laughs> uh, funny. How am I? I had a conversation with her last week, and it's really interesting because what is tough about people is you look at someone's skill set, like, man, I want to do that. I look at Martin, you're so charismatic. You're awesome at sales. People love you. You develop relationships really, really quickly at depth, which I can't do. It would take me six months to do what you can do in like a couple of weeks. I'll never be you. And it might be enticing for me to be you. So when I'm looking at something like supporting Andrea in the role, we had a great conversation around it. I said, just know that my do to working through ratio is different. I want to do about 20%. I'm good Mm -hmm. at 20%. You give me the top stuff and I'll work really, really hard. You gave me more than that. Like, ah, Mm -hmm. not so much. She's different though. She's, She's sure. probably what I think in my mind is she's going to be a 40, 60 leader, maybe, you know, where she can do 40% through other people, but 60% she needs to be involved. What the key to her leadership and getting is to letting go of what we identify as the smaller things, right? Mm. To do some more high level work, supporting the people and have other people trained to do that. But that being said, 
bringing it back to the Colby, you really need to look at those numbers. And the Colby is not analyzing whether somebody fits in your organization or not. The Colby is about finding what their innate ability is, their cognitive energy, how they work the strongest and putting them in the right place to succeed. And if you have that place in your organization, bring them on board. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that place, find the right person who can do that, right? They have to, I always believe you don't, you don't want to change someone to fit a role. They need to already fit that role. And so if Mm -hmm. that role in leadership and operations, I, I, I believe it can be done more with her skill set for sure in the future. Once we grow, it will be necessary. There's still a big do component, but yeah, you can't, you can't put someone on top and just plug them into different places. They still need to lead how they need to lead and what, what serves them. And you can still get to the same end result, just a different, different journey. Well, you're a living demonstration that you can change your leadership style. You went from, you know, micromanager back at Machinomatic. You've grown into this amazing leader that actually just takes everything in consideration. So if you can do it, I'm sure others can do it as well. Let's, uh, Kevin, let's tackle the lazy part. Because I want <laughs> I want the world to know that Kevin is not lazy. He is far from being lazy. But what he has done, he has given me this life opportunity. And we tend to, and, and we're using the term lazy to create space. And so tell the audience, because this is going to be, this is going to be a vulnerable moment for me. When we first started doing, what was I doing? What was Martin like? What kind of animal was Martin? And then tell tell the audience the journey that you and I have gone through for the past, I guess, six months from integrator and visionary. Yeah, so when we first met, I mean, you ran an independent, independent agency on your own mostly for 13 years. Mm-hmm. And so you were in a big, big do space. You also have a military background. So your tell is really, really hard. Like, You're very structure-based and you're very strong energy, like you're big, big energy. And you're used to, if you say something, people should do it around. So your style was much like that, but you needed to because you're juggling juggling hundreds of balls at the same time. You don't want to drop anything, so you're hard style. So building this organization, it's much different. Building an organization and running uh, a consulting practice are two totally different things, right? When you're just on your own. Building an organization, you need to rely on people. You can't do everything. Um, and so that was, I think that was a big learning for you. Also, the speed needs to change. You can't always just run out of the gates and go, go, go. You can at some point when your team is strong and they're trained and they're used to it and they've been there, done that. Um, but at the start, you can't. So the, the first part of it, I think, was for you to realize that we had to slow down. Uh, there's a sort of a running joke around at Urgio that Kevin loves his holidays and takes a lot of holidays. Well, <laughs> it's true. I do take a lot of holidays. I don't actually know how to do it any other way though. Uh, after I work, I really crave a vacation. So if I'm working for about six weeks, eight weeks or whatever, it's time. I, Kevin needs a break. When I come back, discipline and all those things that I'm really, really good at, I'm much stronger at. My, my self-care comes back and I can just be a better leader for everyone. So that comes with that discipline too. And I think through that, Martin, you've observed the way that I do my self-care and it's rubbed off. We've talked about it and stuff. Um, 
and you've observed it and you've changed your style. The other biggest change is that you're really going through an ask versus a tell leadership style, which is still in your brain. It's a pattern interruption. You're still your normal state as a tell, and you'll probably do that still a lot. And that's okay because that's your style and you have a really strong energy. I think you found some success in asking though. And the relationships and stuff that are coming up and the people that we are developing, you've really, really seen that. You're also open to listening, which is not always the case. And you have a growth mindset. So I know you're turning 51 this Friday, you know, so in that time, a lot of people, right, are set in patterns. They don't want to change anymore. That's not you, though. You're really, really open for the change. And for whatever happened, I think you have a couple of key influencers uh, in your life. And Tracy, of course, your wife is one of them. Mm -hmm. Great influence. And somehow I've managed to work my way into that as well. Mm -hmm. So you really listen to me. And I think when somebody really listens, I really respect that. And I want to make sure that what we're talking about serves you. You know, I have my own agenda sometimes and you have yours, but I want to make sure that we're doing it and it serves you. And you've taken it. You've been like number one student. You're absorbing it. And you digest it, you think about it, and you come back. So your determination at changing and at learning, I think, has been the biggest change. It has nothing to do with, I can't bring that to the table. That, that's internal mm-hmm. in, in what you're doing. But it's a, such a, it's so noticeable. And you made mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. We've blown up a few things in our, <laughs> in our time together the last year. That was a few things, a few, uh, few different uh, things that happened. But it's totally fine. We're up for the journey. We have enough grace with each other to understand that mistakes are going to happen and we're going to get past them or we're going to move forward. But I, I think the first piece is that you need to have a good student, right? What, what's that old saying? They say, when uh, the student is ready, the teacher will show up. Ooh. And I think that's sort of uh, a perfect example. I think that's an old like Chinese problem. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like it. I'll Japanese. take it. I'll take it. Well, right? Something like that. So, yeah. In a nutshell, I guess that's uh, that's sort of our journey. I'll I'll return the favor, saying yes, I'm a good student. But you've created that space, and that's one thing that Kevin says all the time, is that he's liberated me through the work that we've done at Urgio, and I'm a living example of what we do with our clients. Right? When you think about it, I'm the living example of liberating Martin from day to day operations and being able to listen, being able to apply. And we say the word laziness, but it's discipline. It's the discipline of having a well-grounded lifestyle, meaning that you can give 110%. And I think that that's where I've struggled a lot with uh, personally is that I've given, given, given. I joined the military at a young age. I served. I was always in a position to be useful. That's my kind of key thing. And now... I was always being useful to others. Now I have to be useful for myself. And so that's kind of that's kind of switched things around. But I could not have done it if I did not know that I had a disciplined partner in the mix of things. Because I know that whatever things uh, come up for Urgio, they will be addressed in time. And then the team will be treated with dignity and respect through Kevin's leadership. So I think that's for me is the key thing to being able to be liberated and become the student is because I've got time to study. 
And that's that's been hard. I have to admit, that's been re- <laughs> really, 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 really hard. So what's the yeah? What's the uh, what's the thing that you're working on the most when we talk about working through people? What are you a student of lately that you want to improve on? I mean, one of my passions. I mean, two passions. One has been parenting, which is not the subject of this podcast so leadership is the other one so currently i'm reading a book on the 15 the 15 commitments of conscious leadership fantastic book it's a fantastic book and it's just i don't even want to call it new age but it's just a new way to lead so it it basically turns the business world on its head from taking emotion out of business and realizing that emotion, we're, we're sentient beings and we're emotional and that's all part of it. It has to bring it forward and, and how to run organizations based on that. And it is sort of, I don't know if it's a movement or not a movement, but organizations are taking it up. It's the way that I want to lead and it's the way that I do lead. And I'm still learning a lot of stuff in there. There's stuff that I, I don't do well, but the leadership piece, I read it every day, then I practice it. Interesting thing, the one thing, the way that I was raised is a lot is work is work, home is home. Mm -hmm. You leave your emotions at the door when you come into work and that's it. And then when you come home, you leave the work stuff at work and you come home. Well, that just splits your person in half. You can't, it's totally, that's totally unsustainable for me. So if someone is asking me what I'm doing, I'm like, I'm just being myself. This is work. This is life. This Mm -hmm. is all of it. It's, it's all one. And I feel the same way with the emotions. And so there was a really interesting uh, chapter on emotions and accepting all of your emotions and five primary emotions. And there's a way that emotions manifest themselves physically in your body. And you can feel it if you're in tune for it. They only last about 90 seconds if you know how to recognize them and to release them to keep them moving forward. And then you become better. So the interesting thing is, Often when people are older, they don't listen to this stuff and they don't change. I, I took a synopsis of that chapter and I taught it to my 10-year-old, not <laughs> thinking much of it. I was just sort of doing it for my own, for practicing and mm-hmm. getting it out so that I could speak a little bit more intelligently about it. Three days later, she's using it for her anxiety going to sleep. I can hear her doing it. Two days after that, she's in her room with her sister trying to teach her seven-year-old how to do it because it was so fundamentally important to her. So that, I mean... When I see it working in leadership at such a young level, I know what's possible in the business world and how we're moving this stuff forward. And it's all about leadership to me, how we can lead and not just lead to make profit, but lead to run great organizations that not only care about the people within it, but the greater good for the outside world too. And and money and profit is important. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want to make some profits. I'm about money. I'm I'm a capitalist at the end of the day. I'm a capitalist, but that does not mean you can't do it with some dignity and some grace. You know, people tend to put this negative connotation on capitalism and, and it's, it's disappointing is because we've got this past experience through the eighties and nineties where, you know, the investors are always, no, 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 no. What Kevin is saying is this, is if you create a prosperous environment where you're making more than you're spending, that's a prosperous environment. 
doesn't mean that you have to have gajillion dollars and become a billionaire, but if you can sustain a good lifestyle, I know Kevin likes to travel, right? With Ali and the kids, they want to sustain that. They don't want to be super duper rich. They want to say, hey, listen, if we want to go back to Thailand, you know, we want to go back to Thailand in March. Here's, you know, we've got the money to do it. And I think that that's what a lot of people forget, that capitalism does not have to be evil. If you want to donate, if you want to do charitable things, it's a lot easier to do it when you've got money in your bank account. And the only way that you can do it in an ethical way is to be kind and courteous to the people, to all stakeholders, to yourself. Eh? That's that's a big learning for me. <laughs> to yourself, to mm-hmm. your family, to your partners, to your clients, to your stakeholders. If you're kind and courteous and your gut tells you, right? Because I think Kevin mentioned, well, I don't think I know Kevin mentioned it. When no matter if you're two years old, when a kid is not sharing, you look at them, they know without knowing words, they know that not sharing is not good or smacking somebody else in the head with a toy is not a good thing. Like it's inert in us. It it comes within us to understand what's right and what's wrong. And to to Kevin's point, it's not about um, being the richest guy on the planet. It's about creating a prosperous environment for yourself and, and the people that you love, including the people you work with. Yeah, totally. So that's what I, I'm always like, you don't have to be great. It's not about great. It's good. Like people, the people in the Olympics, right? You're doing something like you want a 10, a 10 when you're doing the gymnastic, they're like striving for this perfection, which is great within that event. They win the gold medal, but it's like five seconds of their life. Mm-hmm. But if they're operating at that level, not top, top, but if they're doing like eight and a half the whole time over the long period of time, you're prosperous. Mm-hmm. It's not this whole business thing is not a sprint. I mean, people want to do it really, really quick. But if you look at it over the long journey, and as we're getting older here, too, it makes a big difference. Your habits that you're building and the stuff that you're learning and doing extrapolate throughout your whole career it's not just one win and done right and the other thing that i really think of all this leadership too is the definition of success mm-hmm. that to me has shifted a long time ago like people are just counting your dollars and your bank accounts and all how many cars and houses and all that that's great if that's your only metric of success though i believe you are not successful you're not a fully developed person you're not whole you more than likely if you're pounding it so hard just to capture the wealth you don't have a good marriage, your children don't know you, you know, your relationships in the community, all that stuff. We need to flip that definition of what success is, tone down the wealth a little bit. I mean, I still like to be having money and doing really, really nice things. And I do those things. But I put a heck of a lot of effort into my family, into my relationships, uh, both friends and kids and community and all that. I, I think that's just the whole rounded thing. And for me, that's success. So if you're counting that, I think I'm a highly successful person. Yeah. We talked about this a few weeks back. Kevin was Kevin was having a, I, like all of us, we have an, you know an up day and a down day. You're where you feel a little bit in front and you feel a little bit behind. And Kevin was in my kind of gratitude, and I said, "Hey, listen, Kevin's living the best life. He's got he's healthy, you know. He's got money in the bank. He's got a great wife. He's got great kids. He comes into work, loves his job." At the exception of our two clients, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say who they are. Um, yeah, we don't know you, who they are. 
Oh, they they know who you are, uh, who they are. So to the point that we're making is like if if you're if every day is well lived, isn't that a definition of success? Where you're having beautiful conversations, you're exercising, you're seeing the sunrise, you get to see your kids fail and learn and grow and smile and live and have just good conversations and you know being part of life and death and i think yeah we're going a little bit far on this but that in my opinion that's that's beauty in itself right uh, the flower doesn't bloom all year round and when it does come out it's absolutely gorgeous because it's only there for a small period of time right yeah no it's so it's so true and it's funny we're, we're going a little bit deep on it and getting ph philosophical but you know if someone's in a room with me and we're talking business right the hard ass comes out and there's part of it. We can enjoy those things of life, but when it comes down to it, the skill set that you have in business, it's it's serious stuff too, right? You need to have the discipline to push through and to do those things. Mm -hmm. So part of it is supporting the whole person, but then part of it is being disciplined and getting the stuff done. You you need to work you need to work hard. It's not it's not easy, it's not for the light of heart, it's it's all over the place. And it takes hard work and discipline, right? Otherwise, we would not be where we are today. That's that's all part of it too. It's funny because a decision, a hard decision, can be a very enlightening decision. Right? Um, our company went through a situation where um, a client decided not to pay anymore, and the decision was right for us. Although it impacted our revenue, um, the decision was right for us, and it was kind of like, okay, well, they don't want to pay. Let's not. Let's not move on. Let's think about us first as a family and about Urgio and what does that mean for all of us? And lo and behold, you close one door, two other door open, right? It's to be that, that disciplined approach to prioritizing the work, I think, or prioritizing the, the important things that, that Kevin does so well as head of operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. The tough, the tough decisions, right? People don't want to move into it. And I think that's one of the other things in, in leadership and, and working through people. People say, oh, you're so good at navigating conflict. I'm like, okay, that may be true. Do you think I like it? I don't <laughs> like it, Martin. If you have an issue with someone and I got to go and I'm like, okay, facilitating this thing. I, gotta come. I don't like it. I'm not looking forward to it. It's not like, you know, I'm cheering. Here we go. It's hard. It's hard work and you have to move into it and people get vulnerable and you need to respect that. Right. And you can't put them in a spot where you can't take them out of. So there, there's this fine balance in here, too. Do I like moving into conflict? No. Will I do it almost nine out of ten times? I will, because I know that it makes a difference and you move things forward. Uh, people say, oh, I can't do it. It's conflict. I'm like, I know you can. You will. You must. Right. And, and facilitate it and go through. And it, it's it starts with minor, minor risks. Right. You're putting your toe in and you're taking that chance. But that's how you build leadership. Those are the small things. People need to move forward into conflict. Otherwise, nothing happens. I, if you're listening to this or watching it, rewind for about 10 seconds. And look and listen to how Kevin says, I know. He doesn't say he doesn't say it in a way that. I know, listen very carefully on how he is kind, courteous, and supportive 
just how he says, I know. He's been there. He's seen it. And if he, he's there for you. And I think that that sums up who Kevin is as the head of operation, as a human being, as a leader, sums it up in that small little two words, I know. The way that he says it, it's not what you say. It's how you act in life. So, Kevin, that was just a, the sum um, full circle of who you are and what you bring, not just to Urjo, but all of our clients and your family and everybody you touch, my friend. Ah, thank you so much, Martin. Very, very kind. It's been, uh, it's been a heck of a journey. I'm excited for the next step, and it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you too. This opportunity would have not been in front of me you know, had a whole bunch of other things falling into place and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. 48 years old. Here we go. What's the next 20, 30 years going to bring, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So can you repeat? I'm not going to ask you because I think that, so the name of the book that you are devouring right now is what? The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And thank you very much. And where can people get a hold of you? Because I know, so funny story about kevin and linkedin tell us your so uh, kevin had to restart his linkedin <laughs> adventure <laughs> yeah i i have an embarrassingly horrible linkedin profile i will rarely communicate on linkedin but basically i mean i had i don't know thousands of contacts on there and the only people that would ever contact me were people that wanted something from me from me from me i said enough of this and so I deleted them and not just individual people, but li literally the whole account. It gives you a warning. And I think another warning came up. But I was like, forget it. Delete, delete, delete. And now I have like 17 contacts. So <laughs> now I'm at the latter part, like moving into business. I have to build my whole network again. I'm like, what was I doing? Uh, silly, silly, silly. But anyway, uh, we'll get, we'll get th back. This is the small example of resilience that turned into stubbornness on this one. <laughs> Well, you can get a hold of Kevin at Kevin at Urgeo, U-R-G-E-O dot com and or on LinkedIn. You can be number 18 on LinkedIn. Kevin, thank you very much for being on the show. This is this is so cool. Thank you. You're welcome, Martin. Thanks for having me. With that being said, my name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into the frontline operations. Please like, subscribe and click the notification bell so that you can be notified of the next episode. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy your day. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.